Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam. This is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of our lives. Super fun show today with Cody Jett. This is an awesome guy who played college baseball, never really got into running until the pandemic hit, and he started to kind of slowly get into it. And now He's really he's really made it a big part of his life, and I just couldn't wait to talk to him about it. Someone who I've gotten to know really well uh, over social media and also over on Free Trail. Uh, just an awesome guy. Before we get into it, though, I do want to give a couple shout outs to our sponsors today. Now, you can, and we have Running Warehouse. Go check them out today. Some really good links in the show notes for not only some really good deals, like 20% off on you can. And also like the free, the free packs, like the free energy gel packs. You get a six free pack energy gel shipment. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. You'll see the links for that in the show notes. Also running warehouse. You'll see the links to all of the shoes that Cody mentions in the show over on running warehouse. And those are affiliate links, which really helps the show. Also, just a shout out, if you haven't checked out Relay yet, now is a great time. So Patreon, where we host Relay, it's patreon.com forward slash Relay. They now have a seven-day trial, so you can go click on it. You can become a member, and you can click the seven-day free trial button, and that allows you, if you don't like what you see, to then cancel. No questions asked, no fee. But I think you're really going to like it. When you get people like Lindsey Hine, Kara Goucher, Laura Thweet, Marcus Brown, Peter Bromka, Kafuzi, so many great people on there uh, putting out unbelievable content. It's always good stuff. Can't forget Tommy Runs, of course, just the man over there. Um, so anyway, a lot of good stuff all around, but now. Let's hear from Cody Jett. All right, Cody Jett, welcome to the podcast. Matt, thanks for having me. I'm super pumped. This is going to be great. I couldn't think of a better time to have someone like you on the show, specifically you, say someone like you, you you in particular, to come <laughs> on the show because we have now hit like the like meaty, exciting part of the trail schedule, right? We just had the World Mountain Championships over in Innsbruck this past weekend. We got Broken Arrow coming around the corner. We have Western States coming after that. And then hop, skip, and a jump to some of the European races in the summer. This is going to be so exciting. And truth be told, I really, again, I've been reading about trail running and ultra running for a long time. Like yeah. way, way, way back. But I never really participated. But I'll tell you, the what has brought me in over the last two years has been the media coverage in all of its forms. And I can't wait to talk to you about that, how that's grown and expanded and the different outlets and things like that. When did you when did you get involved in trail running and just, I guess, running in general as well? Yeah, so I haven't been a runner my whole life. So it's not one of those, the running called me. Uh, I was a baseball player growing up and running was really a punishment. Um, you know, me and my brother used to joke about that all the time. That was a punishment to us. And I started dabbling in running after college a little bit, like one mile here, two miles. And then when the pandemic happened and we had no idea what to do, my wife and I, and oh. I just started running more and got really into it. And we weren't sure if we were allowed outside. So I was running a lot on the treadmill and I pretty much binge watched Ginger Runner, Billy Yang, all of that, those those documentaries and I was sucked in and I just kept finding that that calling the oh, go find the trails go find the trails so I really just uh, you know within the past like three four years really got that calling to hit the trails um and I've loved it ever since um it's so where did you grow up you said you played baseball as a kid where, where was that yeah so right outside of Philadelphia so I grew up in a small town Abington um, not too large. Um, yeah. And I one of four single mom and, uh, sports and just in general are always part of our life. Uh, street hockey, baseball, soccer, you know, you name it, we were involved in it. And that's such like a, you know, th that Metro Philly area, those suburbs like Abington and all those places, like there's a ton of sports, a lot of high level sports and a lot of good, like private schools over there as well. Like you like, Shoot, you go down the street to Abington Friends, it's like, Akeem Warwick is here. <laughs> you yeah. know, like this is like some really high level athletes coming through that area as well. So as someone who grew up being more of a team sport person, um, how did you kind of connect with more like the individualized side of running, especially during the pandemic where like even yeah. like the whole like running groups and social aspect, which are certainly available to a lot of people, weren't really there for you in the beginning? Yeah, so I got kind of really lucky. Right when the pandemic started, I got involved in Rabbit, the, the clothing brand. They do a rad rabbit group. And I was like, you know what? 
I, w- I really want to get involved in running. They had this red rabbit group. Let me apply to this. And that was like an instant community. Um, if you're starting and running, those little ambassadorships are just fantastic. The energy they share with you, the knowledge they share, all of those things were fantastic. But the other thing too is believe in the run. I started watching their videos too. They did the grit challenge and they were doing these weird challenges throughout the pandemic and I was hooked. Uh, you know, I didn't know much about running, but I was like, oh, this is cool. They had a Facebook group, they had a Strava and it just was really interesting to see that camaraderie. Uh, coming about. And then I really start feeling that team group atmosphere once I hit the trails. Roads were good, but I really felt a kind of a loan out on the on the roads, you know. I felt like it was more of a competition. Whereas with the trails, especially in the ultra scene, whew, that is like a, there is a culture right there where you're picking each other up and you know and I just slowly but surely just start building a community around the trails. Yeah, let's just dive back into like that that not the road scene, but yeah. the um, the idea of like these online communities that you're able to you know kind of latch on to and be a part of with Rabbit, which is so interesting. When I think of ambassadorships, I don't think of it as a community building exercise. Mm-hmm. I think of it more as like, hey, it's a mutual partnership, which is a really interesting. I, I shows I've never been a part of many of them, I guess. Um, but even with Grit, which has become hugely successful for believing the run, I talked to Robbie yesterday morning, Robbie Runninger, um, uh, and he's such a great guy. So talk to me about like that those online communities because I think for so many people, like even for me, like there's a hurdle there in terms of like, all right, is this actually going to be something that's going to be engaging? And I really haven't um, been a part of them from a running perspective. Besides, like you know, media consumption for sure, like yeah. free trail and relay and things like that. Yeah. But just from a running perspective. Yeah, no, and, and it's really interesting. So I played a little college baseball, and when I told people I got into the running scene, and I was a little standoffish. Like, I didn't want to be too in there. You know what I mean? I felt like an outsider looking in. And that's sometimes the hardest part when you're in these these scenes where you're like, you know, I'm not a real runner. You know, you, I've said that multiple times. But the, the Rad Rabbit community, it was fantastic because we have a Facebook group. You get you you have to be a Rad Rabbit to be in this group. And people are just posting pictures. Hey, I did a one mile run. Hey, look what I, the funny, you know, I did a run for donuts. And it just... I was like, wow, okay, this is really what running is. It's a community. It's, hey, I shared information that, hey, I'm going for little runs with my daughter, things like that. So it really is not just like, hey, I did a PR. I did this race. Oh, I did this. It's really different opportunities that they're coming through. People are sharing their life stories. Hey, you know, coming back from an Achilles injury, you know, you know, and everyone's just cheering them on. And I think that's the coolest part. You could just post like something like really simple, like, hey, sprained my ankle, finally coming back. And you have like 50 people comment being like, had an ankle injury too. Keep going. You can do it. And that's the intoxicating part is that like cheering you on. And that's where the team bonding comes from. Because, you know, when I played baseball, you got a hit, you got into that dugout. People are giving you high fives left and right. Oh, yeah. At a race, you don't get that or like local communities. But these online communities, you know, it definitely pumps the ego up a little bit. Yeah, and it's 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 an interesting thing when you think about a lot of people, and even me for sure. I'll just talk about myself. Like there have been times where I've been super open about my running, like on Instagram, which was Instagram's yeah. kind of like my main social media outlet. And other times where I really am not that open about it, and I just kind of keep it to myself. And I'll post on Strava and stuff, but again, it's it's a little bit different. And these are a kind of like a, a whole different area that I've never explored about like, hey, people sharing online, but it is this private community, which yeah. is also kind of a different thing. Um, and I guess I've never really ex- thought to explore it. So are these mostly like Facebook related or how do you, how would you get into these? So Facebook, Discord, things like that, you know, um, I think that's a new one in Slack. You know, I think John, like, you know, different groups have different ways. Have it's you done not, a Discord community before? I've never, I've never done a Discord thing. I have uh, just the one, you know, um, and it was okay. You know what I mean? It was for Chase the Summit. Really cool guy. Uh, does great shoe reviews, gear reviews. Um, and it really was to say, again, I was still getting used to a lot of the different tech and I wanted to get a new watch and it was really cool. And I wanted to get a GoPro and things like that. So uh, different. Yeah, that guy does great work. He does like really, really high tech reviews. It's like this guy knows his stuff for sure. Absolutely. And I work in the tech industry and I'm like, yeah, I still can't do the level of work he does on this <laughs> one. So, you know, so I, I have my avenues of where I can go. You know, if I want encouragement, I go to the Rad Rabbits group. When I have a tech question, I'm going to the Chase to Summit group, you know, things like that. So if I have very trail specific questions i'm lost i go to the free trail group you know um and it's really nice to have these different avenues and 
Um, I, I share a lot of information on Instagram, shoes. You know, I don't really share much with my family, but really just shoes. And I remember I shared when I dropped out of JFK 50 miler because I was dealing with long COVID. You know, I did get a lot of great response, but that was my first time really putting myself out there. I wasn't really sure how it was good people were going to respond to that, you know. Um, but yeah, it was really, really positive response. And like I said, really the first time I put myself out on IG. I've been doing a lot with like the, the different subgroups I'm in, but never really with the yeah. IG community. Now, I know a lot of times people kind of put trail and ultra in the same sentence. And for a lot of people, they're not connected, right? Yep. Especially for people who are newer to trail running. Like, they're not going to be like, hey, I'm new to trail running. Let's just hop into an ultra. Like, oh, my God. It's like a huge step, right? So talk to me about, you know, getting into trail, the, the things that you liked about it, um, and especially from someone who, like, who really wasn't into running. Right. That much. Right. right. About, about like the, the elements that you liked and just the your again, not to have like 10 questions in one, but like I think part of this is also like where you live yep. and the access you have to kind of different kinds of trails. Right. I think this is the part of it is that like, yep. you know, I'm trying to expand the podcast here, just a little, little inside baseball for people like to be more open to like the running and trail side. Right. Because yep. I think so many times like there's this segmentation, but I run, I run both. Right. So maybe I'm just scratching my own itch, but like I run both. A lot of people can run both, especially if they have they live in an area that has both and they can both be be beneficial for each other. Right. Yeah. In terms of like, hey, you can really work on speed on roads and efficiency and, and stuff like that. And on the trail, you can really build strength and endurance and, and general athleticism. And like, who doesn't want both of those? So talk to me about like your entree into trail, how your surrounding area, you know, allowed for that. And then it's the idea of like building miles in the trail, which can be tough because it can be brutal yeah. on some of these technical, on technical trails. Absolutely. You know, so I will say my really introduction to the trails was with, again, with being COVID and everything like that uh, we have local trails in our area. And, um, and I just wanted to, we didn't really want to be around people. I mean, that's really what it was. You know, I, I was like, okay, well, some of the local paths were getting really packed with people. We were still unsure what, you know, what was going on. So I started hitting the trails. You mean like, like bike paths and things like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I live like we, me and my wife and my kids, we have a path called the Paraline Trail. And it's just like, oh, hey, yeah. Path. And it's like five minutes away from my house. And that's been a go to spot for us. But because it was so packed and it just was getting a little out of control with the, you know, people out there, I was like, I was, we weren't really sure what to do. And again, with falling in love with the trails because of all the documentaries I was watching, you know, I knew we had a local trail called the Wissahickon. And I just start slowly going out there. And we have do the little little trail. And then I was like, oh, let me keep expanding. And let me keep expanding. And that's really where it was. It allowed me to be cur uh, my curiosity bloom. And one of the other things I, I found with trail running versus road running is I got to disconnect a little bit with the trails. And I feel free. I'm out there by myself. You know, sometimes you see another runner, but you really are. It feels like you're isolated out in the wild. And it's just really nice to just unplug. It's so nice because I don't wear headphones. I have my watch and I have my phone just for safety purposes, but I don't wear anything. I just am out there in the wild pretty much. Um, and it's just really nice. And the other thing that really drove me more towards the trails was that if you need to walk, you walk. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, pro runners are walking up the climbs. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. Whereas like sometimes with the the roads, I kind of felt that pressure. If I'm not getting faster, there's something wrong with me. Whereas with the trails, it's like, oh, you're walking? Man, you're just being smart. That's the ultra way. Um, so really just start with me just doing like five miles out on the trails, 10 miles out on the trails, and really just enjoying the time out there. Um, and I live right outside of Philadelphia still, and we're really fortunate. We have some really great trails out here, some gnarly, some buffed out trails. But in my vicinity, 20 minute drive either direction, I have three really great trails. I have the Wissahickon Trail, I have the Green Ribbon Trail, and I have the Penny Pack. Um, great trails, and all of them host races, and they're just really nice trails. Um, the only difference between where we live and maybe some other people, we have to go under big bridges. Uh, so people always laugh about that when I send pictures. They're like, you go under highways? Yes, we go under highways. That's just how our trails are. Uh, so big climbs, big descents to go under the bridge and then back up. And so it's a lot of climbing and a lot of vert. So, 
And you mentioned before that you work in tech. Do you yeah. think that adds to the idea of like trying to be out in nature as someone who obviously if you work in tech, yeah. you need to be in front of technology, right? Like that's kind of part of the deal. How does the job play a part in your choices in terms of, you know, athletics and, and the things that you want to pursue? Yeah. So I would say like during the activity, not much, you know, I love being just disconnecting. If I don't have to look at a screen, uh, I always say my, my, my wife definitely can notice it. When I get a trail run in the weekend, my mind just feels fresher versus when I'm on the roads, uh, the, where the tech part comes into, I love diving into the data. I'm not that fast. And I, you know, but I love looking at the vert. I love looking at the data and I love dissecting it and seeing where it goes. It's just kind of where my, my mind goes when I'm dissecting it. And then even like the technical aspects of like a shoe. I love those types of things, learning about it. So, um, yeah, but the nice thing about it is I, a lot of times my analytical side bleeds over to the trail side and the road side. Um, but like I said, for the most part, I try to stay pretty neutral. So once you dive into the metrics and you start running similar routes, how are you able to make sure that you don't like bring that competitive side that sometimes you've noticed on the road? Again, there's nothing wrong with road running, right? But it can be harder to disconnect from the competitive metric side just because it is, it's just, it's so much easier to, to be like, hey, what is my pace? Yeah. I know this route. Yep. There aren't a lot of obstacles here. Right? I'm not like traversing huge hills and things like that. Like it, it's just easier to make apples to apples comparisons, which yeah. can lead to this competitive side for a lot of people, whereas trails naturally don't fall into that. But if you run the same trails a lot, it, you can start to creep back into that same mode. So what do you do, especially as a data guy, to make sure that you don't fall into that trap? Yeah, it's really hard. So I'm uber competitive. Um when I played baseball and other sports, I, it hasn't bled completely over to the, the running scene, but my competitiveness is it, off the charts. Uh, I'll run through a brick wall. Let's put it that way. And so I've been kind of keeping that on a on the back burner, my competitive side. It comes out on races, but usually for training runs. A lot of times I go off a distance or sorry, I go off a time when it comes from the trail run. So I go, hey, I'm going out for two hours. And that's really what it is. I don't look at my pace at all when I'm out on the trails. I'm just, hey, I got two hours out there. I go out, I hit the trails, and I enjoy it. So, yeah, so I actually don't do much time over time. Um, there are times when I'm training where I'll do like a hill. We have this huge hill where I'll do hill repeats. And at that point, I just go off of effort. That's honestly, I don't look at pace because it's really hard to do it. I go off of pace and comfortness. And I've learned... By talking to other trail runners, that's the best way to do it. Because when I do get into a race, I'm just going off of what feels really good. And when I'm bombing down the hills, I feel comfortable. I'm in a comfort zone. I'm not going that weird red line where I feel like I'm going to fall over my skis or I'm babying it and I start like, you know, breaking my quads. Uh, but it really is just go off of the, I go off for two hours and I just go out and enjoy myself. Talk to me about the media side because you, I especially just like in your entree into the sport, kind of you know putting YouTube on and just kind of like letting it flow. Because I think that that is um, a really fun way to get into some of this stuff. Because just by nature of the scenes and the struggle that can be around trail running, it's just easier to capture yep. on a camera than it is you know road running. And just in terms of like what it feels like and what you know, the the things around it. And again. Roadrunners, you know, they struggle too, right? I mean, there's there's no there's no difference in the struggle, right? You you race a race is a race is a race, no matter where it is, no matter what what terrain. Like you know, if you're if you're working your tail off, like it's gonna hurt. Like yeah. that's just the way it goes. But just trail running, of course, leads itself to much more interesting things. Just like if you're going to compare like NASCAR visuals to like a Baja race visual, like it's just a different experience yeah. visually. So. Talk to me about like what it was like diving into these things as a novice and someone who like just hadn't gone through the sorts of things that you were watching on YouTube. Yes, I feel like the first part was it was a little I I watch Western states and those views are amazing. Hard Rock, UTMB, and I'm like flabbergasted. I'm like, wow, these trails are amazing. Honey, I got to go hit the trails. And then I got to my trails. I'm like, whoa. That doesn't look like UTMB. That doesn't look like... So I think that was the realization at first was like, wow, these are jaw-dropping. And I think they gave me potential goals. Hey, I maybe want to go for that race. Or hey, when we travel, I definitely want to start hitting some of these local spots. Uh, but I think it just brings, especially being on the East Coast, both of us, 
the trout scene on the West Coast is just so foreign to us. You know, we hear them, you know, the trouts that they're running on, the big climbs, and we see the pictures on Instagram. Um, and you're just like at all of those, but it's not our reality. So having all of these, you know, all different angles, different countries, different states, and having that media, I think just brings so many people together because it is something you can look at it and you may not even be a trout runner, but you go, wow, that's really beautiful. You can look at that and be like, that isn't a beautiful race. I mean, I just did Kyoga Trail 50K and that is one of the most beautiful races I've ever done in my life. I mean, the waters, the waterfall, I mean, that is just mind boggling and those you don't really get on the road scene. Um, and it's hard to capture sometimes, but these for, like I said, Ginger Runner, Billy Yang, Ryan Thrower, they capture it in a way that make you feel like you're there, that make you want to start in the sport. Hey folks, are you tired of the spike and crash and GI distress that comes with sugar-based sports nutrition? Well, it's time to give you can a try. You can energy, energy powders, gels, and bars utilize steady release carbs instead of sugar so you don't feel the highs and lows in energy. I use a scoop of UCAN powder every single morning as part of my breakfast. Also, the Edge Energy Gels. Oh my gosh, they are the best. They have that consistent fuel. They also taste fantastic, and they're almost like a liquid gel. They go down so smooth without any lingering aftertaste in your mouth. The top marathoners in the U.S., Emily Sisson, Kira D'Amato, Sarah Hall, Emma Bates, all rely on UCAN to fuel their training and their racing. Emma fueled her fifth place finish at Boston with one Edge Energy Gel every 5K and felt strong throughout the race without experiencing any GI distress. UCAN's award-winning Edge Energy Gels just last longer than other gels and provides a more consistent feeling of energy, all with zero sugar. Here's your chance, because UCAN is offering Rambling Runner listeners an exclusive chance to try six energy samples for free. So six energy gel edge samples for free. All you pay is the shipping cost. Head over to UCAN.co forward slash rambling to, to claim this exclusive offer. That link is in the show notes. That's UCAN.co forward slash rambling for the edge energy gel offer. Also, if you're already a fan of UCAN and you just want to save 20% on all their products, then just use ramble, code rambling at checkout to do just that. Yeah, let's talk about the media side right now. Okay, yeah. as people who like following trail running, again, I like following all sorts of running, right? And so if the Boston Marathon's on, I'm watching it. New York City Marathon's on, I'm watching it. Like, it really is an enjoyable experience to me. Um, and just watching high-level athletes in any sport do awesome things, I'm in. Like, I love sports, generally speaking. With that said, it does feel different watching the explosion in trail media in terms of the live race coverage on YouTube, a lot, a lot of them are on YouTube, and it's just, it's just so unique in terms of not only the kinds of races they're covering, the experts that they have on who are analyzing the race and also really know the runners, and the comment section that YouTube provides, which you can't get at you know if you're watching like NBC or something. Obviously, like this is it's just a different thing. Not that one is better or worse, but like it is different. And like, so how, being able to like hop into the comments and like either root someone on or be like, hey, Cody's in the comments. Like, I know Cody, like, whatever you shoot, you shoot messages back and forth. It really is an interesting thing that has popped up during COVID and has really expanded to the point now where it's yeah. a surprise if a high level trail race like you isn't on YouTube, which yeah. is like such an interesting thing. Like, Grandma's Marathon this weekend is uh, Grandma's Marathon is happening this weekend. I would love for that to be on YouTube to like to watch that race, have access to it. Who's winning? Who's not? Like, like all of that, all that stuff. Like grandma's, if that was a trail race, would absolutely be covered on YouTube. Like, yeah. absolutely, would. it's 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 huge. And I think that this is like a unique thing and a very interesting space for for trail running right now. What's been your experience in terms of the things that you like with the coverage and how it's progressed as someone, again, who's fairly new to the sport, but diving in with both feet and, and also trying to be a part of some of this stuff? It is blown up and it is exciting times to be in the trail scene. Let's just put it that way. And I don't think a lot of this media coverage starts happening if trail running didn't start blowing up during the pandemic. Let's put it that way. I think shoe sales have increased significantly for trails. So I think a lot of the brands were like, ooh, this is something we need to start capitalizing on. And I think that's where the full circle comes from. I mean, the coverage of Western states, one of the oldest 100 milers in the United States, is just mind boggling. People are glued to their 
computers for 24 hours plus, you know what I mean? Like watching that, the, the coverage of Dylan and Corinne and then obviously all the other folks that they bring in is just fascinating. And it is really cool because I think we're getting to the point in the trail running scene where we're almost getting to, you know, where road running is ESPN. We're getting that type of coverage where we never had before. I mean, cause we get race coverage of which ones are the big ones? We have Javelina by Era Viper. We have all the Golden Trail series, or the the Golden Trail series over in Europe. We have the Golden Ticket, uh, Golden Ticket series. I mean, from Era Viper, a lot of those different ones. Those are covered on media, and then Western States, and then UTMB, and it's becoming every race now a larger race. If you're not having a live stream, like what are you doing? Because the the then I think there's two things that happen is people are now engaged with the sport and being like, oh, maybe I should do this. Or, oh, I didn't know this about this. And you're also getting publicity for some of the larger races on there. So maybe a lot of people didn't know what, what a javelina was. Now, all of a sudden, you have a live stream of it. And people are like, whoa, that's cool. I want to be running through the desert in the middle of the night. You know, so I do think the media has blown up significantly. And I think it's had a, a huge impact on it. And I hope they continue to go with this because I think with the media side, they're just at the infancy stage of it. And I was actually just talking to somebody about this, which was a really good timing. And because they said, well, should all races have live stream? And I said, no. Well, what, yeah, like, what does all anyway. mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah. So like, I, I think you got to put them in buckets. What are the big ones? You know what I mean? Like, what are the huge ones? Not every... And, and, and it's like, that's such a, a, a heavy lift, right? Exactly. For so many people. And, and no offense, but like my race I just did. Nobody wants to watch me running that race. I'm not, you know, I don't take offense to it, but nobody wants to watch a bunch of, uh, you know, middle-aged guys running through the woods, you know, sweating it out and gunning it out. I mean, we're not gin Wams. Right. And, it's, and it's different if like you have a GoPro and like you're able to like, yeah. you know, put in like the, the 15 to 20 minute video after the fact, be like, hey, here's my journey. And it was like kind of kind of an exciting yeah. little thing and people like people do like to follow this but you're right like again I, I i run a lot of like local races like no one no one needs to you know no one needs yeah. to watch those live that's for sure yeah so i do just think it's just the beginning though i think this is going to get larger i think this western states which is in a couple weeks i know we have broken hour this weekend i believe um i know we have broken hour going up and i think that's going to be big but i think western states i think they're going big i think the cameras that they're going to have are going to be a little bit better and i just think overall i mean this is the third year they're having it and i think the production level is going to be up and i think that's going to be really big but the one thing you know the one person i was talking to is like well who should be in charge of paying for the live stream i don't think you're at the point now where you should be charging people I think personally, you should get sponsors. You know, they do it a lot in Europe, you know what I mean? Where you have a specific sponsor just in charge of the, the live stream. You know what I mean? Right now with Western States, it's Hoka. But hypothetically, maybe you get another sponsor to be investing more money in um, so that you can have better coverage out there. Because our races in the United States, everyone's to point to, well, why was Western States coverage not as good as UTMB? Well, certain areas just are not easy to get to in Western right. States. We don't have permits you don't have you know what i mean you're only allowed like less than 200 people in western states whereas with utmb you can have like 2000 plus people running on their trails it's just two different worlds it's an apple it's an orange two ultra marathons just apple and oranges for what type of coverage but no i really love the live streaming we're doing plus all the shows leading up to it i mean you got single track you have free trail you got Air Viper then doing some things. I mean, you have all these pre-race shows too that I think are hyping it up, and I think that's yeah. really cool. I mean, we got free trail um, fantasy or fantasy yeah, football yeah, the, style like, as well. Yeah, the, the fantasy side yeah. is really interesting. And I just, and I tell you, the, the thing that I think we can learn from in other sports as well. Again, it's this is tough, but. <laughs> And it's hard to make apples apples comparisons with other sports, even even within running. But like one of the endearing sides to all of this, all these conversations in the media coverage is that a lot of times it's the current athletes that are doing the media side, which is very interesting. Again, not replicable in a lot of sports. And, you know, so it's again, how much can you take from it? But like when you have someone like Dylan and Corinne, and Brett Horning and Leah Yingling and yep. you know and, and these people and then you know that that pie is going to keep expanding. These are some of the best people in the sport yep. who are also doing the media coverage. It does provide not only a level of expertise during the broadcast, 
but you can get that with ex with you know former athletes as well. But when someone is is an active participant in the sport, there's a level of familiarity that you lose once you take a step back, right? This is part of the reason that like Tony Romo was so good his first two years as an NFL broadcaster. It's like he was just there. He knows all of these people. Yeah. He knows the defenses. He knows the offenses. He's he was a part of it. And like again with the, these these athletes, like they're talking about their peers in a lot of these cases, which provides a level of familiarity and expertise um, in, in concert with each other, which is really a unique situation. And I think makes for the conversations to be really good. Also, because these races are longer, yeah. it's kind of like long form content where like mm -hmm. if you watch the Boston Marathon, <coughs> but time again. Not, this is not a shot the boss marathon. Part of this is just the way it goes. Like, first yep. of all, it's only going to be a two to two and a half hour broadcast. Like, that's just how long the race is, yep. right? In addition, you're going to have what a third of the race is going to be at least a third of the race is going to be ads, whether there's literally a commercial or them kind of doing an ad related product during the broadcast. And then a lot of it's just like, all right, if you're, you know, here, here's where they are here, and we're doing feature stories and things like that. Like, the actual breaking down of the race by the experts. Yep. Like, but I think this, this last Boston Marathon, it was Carrie Tollison and Memko Plesky, who are fantastic and certainly are experts in every sense of the word. There just wasn't a lot of that. It mm -hmm. was very, very small part of the coverage. Like maybe 10% of the broadcast was there, was them actually dissecting what was happening. Yep. And I think that is, if you're into that sort of thing, that's what you get in this coverage is that it's yep. constantly like what's happening and yep. how do we put this in context? And I think from a viewership perspective, there's a lot to like about that kind of analysis, which kind of aligns with what you see like in an NFL game or something yeah. like that. Again, not to compare it to NFL, but Ooh. I think that that kind of what's happening, let's break it down and let's start making anecdotal comparisons. I think it's a really enjoyable product. No, I, I agree hundred percent. I remember maybe it was not this year's Boston, but previous years when Dez was on there, I remember screaming at it. I, I want to hear Dez talk. I don't want to yeah. like, like mm -hmm. let me hear Dez. And I think that you're, you, you hit it right on the money. You know, one of the things I will say the road athlete does really well is they're marketing themselves on Instagram really well. You know, the product they're using, you know, they, I think they've taken that, especially the women in the, the marathon scene. Um, and I think that is something the, trail runner has learned oh there's another side to this i have to market my shoes i have to market my brands and i think they've been there's been a more presence of the ultra trail runner on instagram and i think that's really helped now when people are invested in this people you it's crazy when you go on these live streams and people are like oh i gotta see this person win and you're like dude you even know who that person is but you're amped up you want this person to win because you feel connected because of the social media aspect and i think that's been a huge one and kind of what you mentioned like a dylan a corinne they're like sharing personal stories oh i remember when i was out there at mile 95 it's hard you're tired you're suffering yeah. and i know do you see that face right there i remember feeling that and i think it's just a different angle and it just makes you feel almost like feels like you're there you feel that pain the person's in because they're describing it so well yeah, and I think these multi-camera angles that you're seeing on these race on these race broadcasts also allows to have like it just feels different, right? As opposed yeah. to you're watching the Boston Marathon, it's like that one camera angle directly in front of the runners, yeah. which isn't a bad camera angle. It's just like you just want more, right? Yeah. I want more angles because like that angle is like the worst one. Like you know, there's no way to gauge the speed. Yeah, you're just like looking. It's like looking in the mirror and you're running in place. Like you, yeah. you can't gauge it. Like these people are incredible athletes and they're literally flying down the road. Not literally, obviously, metaphorically. Yeah. Um, and you just you can't get a sense of it, right? Yeah. And I think like you compare that, even if you compare it to another road sport. Like you compare it like to the Tour de France, mm -hmm. right? You have all these different camera angles. You know, not that they have like a million cameras on course, but they're coming at it from different perspectives. You can get a sense of the hill, the climb, the speed you know, how close people are to each other, right? And I think that you would assume that the Tour de France probably have more in common with road running in terms yeah. of like the pop not only just the popularity side, but like they're, they're happening on roads and they're happening at high speed. But it actually, from a, a coverage standpoint, seems more like trail running, which okay. is a kind of a unique thing. And I think part of the reason why some of these trail run, from these trail running events are just more fun to watch and more engaging, which I think then starts this nice positive cycle of, oh, yeah, I want to start doing that, right? You you, you see see something cool, I want to try that, as opposed to um, 
you know, just watching that straight on view of the Boston Marathon, you're like, this is can be really exciting. Yeah. But at the same time, I want some like some variety in the coverage here. That's yeah. not just this one camera angle with a third of it being commercials. And then the host who doesn't really doesn't have a background in the sport. Again, I'm, I'm talking about John Anderson now, like for Boston Marathon. And it's like, I know he's a professional. He's been doing this for decades, yeah. but like he does a million sports. I know he's really good at track, but like with, with Boston, it was obviously he didn't really know a lot of the runners. Yep. And it's like, it just, it, it, it felt like there was left a lot of meat on the bone. And this isn't a question. It's more just like a conversation, yeah. I guess, but like it left a lot of meat on the bone. Whereas like, I feel like when you could watch some of these trail races, while the, 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 the coverage can drop from occasion, because again, the, the connectivity in these remote yeah. locations is really tough. I feel like the conversation from the spec, from the announcers, more than makes up for it. Sometimes I'm just like, literally, I just have on the audio and I'm just like, yeah. I'm not in front of my phone. I'm just like, I have my Bluetooth on. I'm just listening to what they're saying, yep. which I would never do in a million years with like a marathon, right? Yeah. I would never yeah. just like have the audio going and not watching because that's like the worst part oftentimes yeah. because you don't have the the carries and the mebs and the caras carrying the coverage. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes with the Boston one, especially this year, and I think a lot of people had the sentiment, you had the men the women going off and the men going off. I mean, you have th- you have multiple races going on, really. Um, and I just, so I think that's really hard. One, one cool thing about ultra marathon is the men and women starting line, you all start at the same time and you just go off. And I think the coverage is a little bit more fluid in that way. Whereas with, I feel like with Boston this year, the women's coverage kind of got um, overshadowed a little bit. And I think <laughs> yeah, that's that, being kind. Yeah. So like, I think that's one of the issues too, like where people are like with the ultra running, you know, it's not perfect. No, by no means is it perfect, but the coverage is you're, 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 the women are getting just as much attention as the men. And I think that is fantastic. I mean, UTMB, they have four or five cameras dedicated, top top, top five men, top five women. And that's who they're covering. And they try to as be as fluid as possible. Obviously, if coverage is down, you know, certain areas, you know, it changes. But I love that about the ultra scene with these live streams. It is very much like, hey, we're going to cover all these. And what's really cool, too, is the sh- stories they share and they bring in like it's a little bit different. Like instead of a commercial, like on the Boston, it's like, hey, you know, let's take a look at Keely Henninger's training. Oh, hey, let's look at this, you know, and I think that's really cool because that's the inside knowledge we want. Instead of a commercial break of Boston, if you could find like Kachobi's like inside secrets, people would be glued to that. You know what I mean? Instead of like, uh, you know, Bank of America commercial, you know, things like that. So I also want to give a shout out to Running Warehouse. I love Running Warehouse. It's the spot where I get all of my running gear online. They have all of the new releases. They have unbelievable sales. They have fantastic reviews on all the shoes and they have all the updated stats and the information, how a shoe fits. Is it too, is it really wide? Is it a little bit too long? Do you need to size up, size down? They have all the information that you need. They're getting better all the time. And I just can't recommend it highly enough. I've been a huge proponent of running warehouse for many years. It's a website that I literally check every day, maybe to my wife's dismay, but it's absolutely fantastic. You can go check out running warehouse by using the link in the show notes that is an affiliate link, which doesn't mean anything for you. doesn't change the pricing at all, but it does help the show. So go use that link in the show. Also, as you may know, every single episode that I'm doing an interview, I always do my five shoe questions sponsored by running warehouse. And that's exactly what we did today. Also, you can check all those out over on YouTube as well at the rambling runner YouTube channel. Talking about inside secrets. Let's hear the, the, the Cody jet inside secrets. You just ran the Cayuga 50. Yep. Which is, I do the 50K, I'm sorry, um, yep. which is in it, right, the 50K, right? Not yep. 50 mile? Yep, not yeah. 50 miler. Um, which is a very tough race, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, you're up in the Finger Lakes region, um, and it's steep, it's technical stuff, like, it's a brutal course, a serious elevation gain. You've only been doing this a couple of years, man, so yep. talk to me about what you had to do to get ready for this race, because these things are absolutely brutal. Yeah, so for it's so with my schedule and everything like that to get used to the climbs, I actually didn't have time to actually go out to uh, the trails during the week. I would get on the treadmill and put the incline as steep as possible and just keep a steady jog the whole time. It was like two hours or like an hour, an hour and a half on this treadmill, getting my legs used to it. And then when I on the weekends when I would go out for my long runs, it was 
find the gnarliest technical trails and just keep pushing it and hammer the the hill so i tried it my best it's like every any climb i had run as far as possible on it you know i knew i was gonna have to do the the walking and everything like that but i really just focused on like just getting my footing underneath me working on my legs and really just making sure i felt comfortable on the trails and something i i added this time was i did four days of lifting so i did two days of lower body and two days of upper body core things like that and the amount of squats I did, the Bulgarian squats, things like that, my legs were ready. My legs were ready to take a beating. And uh, the only thing I was not prepared for was the amount of stairs at the Kyoga Trails. It is right. a- this, People are like, wait, what, what kind of race is this? What do you mean stairs? It is, it's, it's these stone stairs in the woods. And they you run a first mile, you're like, oh, this is great. I'm cruising along. And then you see a bottleneck and you're like, whoa, what's going on? Did somebody fall? And it's just a steep climb of stairs. And it is so hard the for after the first mile. Like, and then you're just like, what the heck did I sign up for? And then uh then you go down into like the almost like the canyon area where the water is, and it's just these huge, beautiful steps and everything like that. And and it was really great. And I'm like, okay, I could do this. I get into a really groove. And then I get to a certain point where the, I like get a turn and the guy points. I'm like, why is he pointing there? And I looked at this climb and I'm like, dude, come on. Like, and it, it was one of those ones where you couldn't actually run up it. You had, I bear crawled my way up. That's how steep it was. And yeah, and, and honestly, I did my best preparing for this one. I did a lot of running, did a lot of just like I said, hill reach. This sounds a lot like obstacle course racing, dude. Like it, without it without like the, yes. the flaming tire yeah. pits or whatever. Yes, and the worst part was it's like you have to do the first loop a second time to finish it. First time it's beautiful, nobody's out there. It's super early. Second time it is packed with people. I got hit by a selfie stick. Uh, somebody asked if I had an extra gel for them. Like seriously, people were like, "Hey, uh, like, do you have any food for us?" And I'm like. No, what? Dude, I'm like suffering through a, a race. You're just casually walking. Like, get out of here. Uh, yeah, but I got drilled in the head by a selfie stick. And by then, it's like mile 29. And I'm just like, every choice word's coming in my head. I'm like, this just has to end. And I get to mile 31. I'm like, 50K is 31 miles. Where, what is going on? You know, oh, yeah, 30, yeah, right. It's, like, it's, it's, it's approximate. It's <laughs> these, these, miles these are race. approximate distances. This isn't like the marathon where it's like, no, we have it dialed. It's or a road race. Like, you would yes. expect a road race. You'd be pissed if a road race was like, we're a 5K. Just kidding. It's actually four miles. Yeah. So I'm like, 31 miles. What the heck? And I finally had to suck, suck it up to get that last mile. That last mile was just so hard. Um, but no, it was a blast. I, I, I had a great All right, time. Buddy, let, let me just stop there. All right. So <laughs> I love that lesson. It sucked. It was so hard. I had a blast. Can you walk me through the three stages of that <laughs> sentence in terms of like how that sentence is possible, not only possible for you, but seemingly so many runners, again, whether they're doing a marathon, an ultra yeah. or whatever, like, like just as an athlete, how someone can be like, it sucked. <laughs> It was so hard. It was a blast. How that literally is a sentence that not only can come out of your mouth, but that people can immediately like nod their head to be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the suck part was it was a really hot day and it was hard. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, my eyes are sunken in a little bit. And I'm like, I'm never doing this again. Then I crossed the finish line and I go, wow, that was really hard. Like that was, I can't believe that last climb. My legs are shot. I can't wait to get into a shower. And then the third part is you get that metal on you and the environment at Ultra is intoxicating. They don't know who I am. They're like, Cody, woo! They're handing me tacos. I'm getting a beer and I'm like, this is the greatest day of my life. All right. I ran 32 miles for a taco and a beer. This is amazing. But it is. It's one of the things. Like 5,000, 6,000 feet of elevation gain. Like, a, like 6, 000, on the East yeah. Coast, it's hard, it's hard to pack that in and some of these East Coast races. Yeah. So, so, but it was, it's so, but people have been camping out all day. People are having a great time. The aid stations and, and like, I like that's the thing with you know not knocking I hate the knock road running because those water yeah. stations are huge too but the the aid stations are your lifeline they're like you got this Cody you're the man I'm like I really am the man thank you and then you just keep on running and then the finish line again it's just one of those great feelings and you're with your fellow runner you're high-fiving each other and you're suffering together but at that same point you're like that was freaking awesome it's things you see on a trail run 
you will never see unless you run that race or willing to hike that type of distance because it is remote. You're never going to see it. Like, and that's the part where, where you're like, look back and you're like, that was freaking awesome. So yeah. Talk to me about just like the, the, the enjoyment and whatever positive adjectives you want to use that comes from having like a big challenge like this, like an adventure challenge, right? Like, Again, with your previous sporting life, you know, not previous life, but like, you know, in your previous like sports, especially with baseball, like that's not part of it, right? Unless you're like, oh, wow, this dude's throwing 102. Like, like, it's just like the big challenge part, like, isn't there. Like, it's probably like, hey, part of it's more the routine, getting into that routine, making it happen. Baseball is really hard. Like, of course, it's a challenge, right? But it's just a different kind of thing where you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to go do this thing. And I've never even run this distance before. I don't run over any of these kinds of hills, whatever. I'm going to go do it again. That's not germane simply to ultra or trail running. You know, there's a lot of different kinds of challenges out there, but talk to me about like the, that kind of experience, the anticipation, the anxiety, maybe you're surrounding it. And then what it's like to, to, to go after something like that, which is, you know, not purposely not in your comfort zone. Yeah. So the one thing I will say with baseball, I've been training my whole life, you know, I had a regimen. So that's the one thing, like I felt so prepared for this race and almost every race that I do, like I get, I find, I don't have a coach. So I find I either use the free trail training plan or find something online. David Roach always offers free training plans on their site. So like I feel prepared and I feel planned. And I think that's the big part with me. Like if I feel prepared and I feel like I have a, a game plan, then it really does bring my angst down. I feel, whew, okay, I can do this. And I think that's really the biggest thing. Like I've been training so, like I've been so regimented to, you know, in my other sporting life that like I felt that again. I was like, ooh, this feels good. When I'm not training, I feel a little lost. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, oh, I'm just going for a run. Having a training plan really helps me. And honestly, I don't stress out about running. Um, I sleep like a baby the night before a race. Uh, getting to the starting line, nothing happens. We at Kyoga, I was with a couple other runners and they're like, how's everybody going to sleep tonight? And they're like, oh, I'm a little nervous. And I was bunking with somebody and I was like, oh, I'm going to pass out. And he was like, no, you're not. And he's like, oh, I'm going to tell all you guys all Cody's up all night. And then the next day he was like, wow, Cody, 10 o'clock, Cody was out like a light. Like he was like, I was talking to him and he was just out. Um, yes, I don't really stress about it because this is like, I always tell people my goal in life was to play college baseball. That was my dream. Like, could I have played pro? No. Was it a dream? Absolutely. This is just fun for me now. This is just, I enjoy, this is like that second, I like to stay healthy. I like to stay fit. This is really just like a second, kind of like you said, a second life, a second sport kind of that I'm working with. But like I said, I don't really feel that angst and I love the process of training. I love that suffering. And the cool thing about with trial running specifically is you're suffering with 200 other people. And they all got a smile on their face. And, uh, you know, I'm throwing out these, running by people, yeah, you're woohoo, and things like that. It's just, it's different. But I will say the first 50K I did uh, was a couple years ago. And I don't know what I saw. I was like, why did I sign up for this? It was a monsoon. It was 50 mile per hour winds. And it, the rain was so hard. And typically it's warm in, warmer in May. It was like 30 degrees. I'm cold, I'm rainy, and it's windy. And the first mile in, I roll my ankle. And I remember being <laughs> like, what am I doing with my life? Why would anybody do this? Like, And I really did think that. And it, it was like one of those things where it was a looped course. So you did the first 25K, and then you came through and did another 25K. And I got that 25K, and I was running with my wife. My wife threw up the deuces. She was like, I'm done. Like, I'm not suffering through this anymore. But you go ahead, honey. Right, and, I, and I went out for that second loop. And I remember thinking the whole time, like, what is, what is wrong with me? And then I, then like then the adrenaline's going. I'm like, all right, this is great. This is great. And I feel good. I'm cruising along. And I kick a rock and a Superman on the ground. I'm like... Oh now my I feel god! Embarrassed. I'm At like, that point, you're well, like, my wife had it right. Like, I want to get out of here. She, she, she's absolutely smarter than me. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, so it's just definitely one of those things where I did that race. I finished it. I was cold. I could barely get my clothes off at the car when my wife picked me up. And we're sitting on the couch. I'm like, maybe I might do another one. And my wife's like, what is wrong with you? And I just think I'm a punish. I love. The, the suffering i love the process and i love it all so but more so i love that post run post race environment it's really cool so 
And here you are doing another thing, too. So you're embarking on something similar to what I was trying to start doing five years ago when I started this podcast. So like kind of getting into your own kind of media side of things, right? You just started, you recently started a podcast. You've been reviewing shoes and some gear as well um, in some interesting ways. Talk to me about like why you want to get started with that and like how you're, how, how you're going right now with that, with that kind of new venture. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I originally started with the shoe reviews. Um, so I was really diving into it and I'm a shoe junkie. I love gear and I love shoes. I'm definitely a nerd when it comes to that. Um, and I was getting all these shoes and I was consuming a lot of different shoe reviews and they all do a fantastic job. Believe in the run, Kafuzi, Ginger Run, they all do a great job. But I ended up finding myself, I was skipping to the end to figure out, did they like the shoe or they didn't like the shoe? And I then I did like a little, a lot of people were like, oh yeah, I just want a thumbs up, thumbs down. And I was like, oh, well that there's a kind of a white space in here. So I started doing one minute shoe reviews. Everything you need to know about a shoe in one minute, no glitz, no glam. And I tell you, yes or no, my personal opinion, should you buy the shoe? And I was surprised at how well those were perceived. People were like, wow, we really like that. Um, do you want, could you keep doing more? And I was like, yeah, this is great. And then I started building relationships with brands and I was really surprised because one minute is not a lot to advertise a shoe. No. They loved it and they were really eating it up. And so that really then led to some apparel brands reading it, reaching out to me like, who would you want to do a one minute shoe review or a one minute review of us? And I was like, I don't think that makes sense, but I love clothes. I'm a huge, you know, you know, kind of a, like, I love fashion as well. I was like, but maybe I could do something a little bit different. So I started doing reviews with the clothes and, you know, it really just kept leading more and more. And I was like, well, I, I like writing. So I started writing for free trail a little bit. And then I was like, well, there's something missing. And I, the missing part was I wanted to bring my personal opinion about shoes and the pros a view on it. And that's where the gear rods really came to life. Um, so the gear rods, the premises, I bring on pros um, in trail mainly, but I probably will be roads as well. And we really just kind of talk about like their mindset, what shoes they've been running in. I pick their brains about why they're using a certain shoe, how they're creating the rotation, what's their involvement when building a new shoe. Um, you know, I had uh, Katie Asmuth on recently, which is probably one of my favorite trail runners at all. And just the knowledge she shared because Saucony, she runs for Saucony and they only have three trail runners on their team. And apparently the team that's leading all the trail running is all led, all females leading it. And they've been around for 125 years. So we really just dive into it and really just give that inside scoop. So like I said, the gear Raj was really uh, something I was kind of working towards for quite some time. And uh, I'm really happy with it because I really love just kind of talking about gear, talking about shoes and just having fun. So, uh, yeah, I yeah. like it, too. I, it's, it's a hard word to say, like garage is like garage, but with yep. the word gear in it. But yep. it, it, it like it looks awesome, like on like the on the, um, <laughs> you know, on the graphics that you have. It's funny. It's like I say the word. I'm like, am I saying it right? Garage. I'm like, yeah, I am. But it's like it's one of those hard words to say, but it looks awesome. It's like you get it immediately as soon as you see the title. You're like, oh. I get it. I get it. This makes a lot of sense. And I love this stuff. You know me. Like anyone who listens to this show, like I literally put out a podcast yesterday about talking all about shoes. So I love that stuff so much. And I'm, I'm really, I really get into it for sure. And so, you know, kudos to you for you know just creating something you like and who knows what, what comes of it. You know, I think that's kind of the, the fun part. Like who knows two years, it could be something pretty big two years. You might be like, yeah, I didn't really didn't want to do it anymore. Like who knows, right? Yeah. Stuff can happen, but it is exciting when people try to pro try projects that they really like and they really yeah. get into it and have a passion for it. So um, kudos to you for doing Thanks. that. We're going to get into the five shoe questions sponsored by running warehouse in a second before yep. we do. Um, what <laughs> shoes are you kind of working through right now in terms of like either recent reviews or reviews yep. you're going to be doing soon? Yeah, so I'm wrapping up the, the review for the Craft Nord Light Ultra, which is a huge surprise to me. So I'll be honest with you, the Trath sh shoe lineup has been fantastic in 2023. Previous years, not so good. The, the, I found their foams to be hard. I found I just didn't like their shoes, to be quite frank. So the new Nord Light Ultra is it's coming through and it's looking fantastic. Um, and then I'm also the... Uh, the normal Tomir just came in. And this one I'm really intrigued about. I mean, it, it's normal, so it's uh, created by Killian. So this is the Tomir. This is kind of like the do-it-all kind of shoe. He has another trail shoe that's really race-specific. So this is the do-it-all 
Um, and I'll be taking this out this weekend to kind of just shred it for Father's Day weekend um, and just see what this is all about. But this thing is firm, man. I'm a little worried about this. Like, this is me putting all my money in. I can't bend this shoe. Uh, so how about like yeah. how about the drometer test? Like you put your thumb into the midsole. Like does it does it dude, bend at all? I, or dude, I I dude, it's hard. That thing looks like a brick. Dude, it is a brick. So I'm I mean you can't at least you know top three goat maybe in your opinion Killian on the trails. And I'm really intrigued by that this one. Um, and then I have a my my daughters love it because I have a ton of shoes on the way. So I've been building slowly but building relationships with different brands. So. Uh, the one shoe I'm really intrigued about, and it's not here yet, but I'm hoping to get it soon, is the new Nike shoe, the Ultra Fly. Oh yeah. Trail. Whew. I'm intrigued. That one, look. I mean, I don't know. Well, the first time I put on the the uh, the the uh, Vapor Fly, and for the roads, I felt like I was super fast. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'm really intrigued if they'll have the same uh, kind of effect. So. Yeah, I was surprised that I didn't see Drew Holman wearing it, who's a Nike sponsored athlete, um, at the world long the, the world uh, mountain championships. He did the long the long yep. event. Um, I was surprised that he wasn't wearing it. So he was wearing the Zagama, um, which yeah. is some people like, some people don't like. But uh, that was interesting. But at the same time, like there was such wild elevation gain and loss yeah. in that race. Like maybe you just need more sack underfoot because I think they were, again, they were putting up like, Hey, we're doing like a, you know, what was it like eight, like 1000 meter climbs. You're like, Oh my God, like yeah. a thousand foot climb is big. Like a thousand meter climb. Like this is insane. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you'll be so, so that I feel like the, the, that ultra flies really West coast specific shoe. I'm going to be honest. I think, and you. I think you wore it at UTMB South yeah. Africa. Uh, so we were there, and so Tyler Green, Drew, all wore it at States last year. But when Tyler yes, and all went to UTMB, they wore a different shoe. I think it was the Wild Horse. I can't remember exactly. So the, it's very, if you have somewhat technical, that's the one thing I'm intrigued by that shoe. It is obviously that, you know, that great foam that they have, that Zoom X. Um, and is it really just meant for those buffed out trails? Because let's be honest with you, States is pretty darn buffed out. There's not much tech to it. If there's a little tech, that's about it. Uh, but when you get to those technical races, I think that's where it's going to fall short. But I am intrigued by that one. All right. So let's get into All right. five five questions. Five few questions sponsored by Running Warehouse. We're here with Cody Jet. If you haven't done so already, make sure you go check out my episode with Cody over on the Rambling Runner podcast. But as always, we have the breakout videos here on YouTube. So, Cody, what is your favorite daily trainer right now? Uh, for roads, it's going to be the Mach 5 from Hoka. And for, I would say, for the trails, I'm going to go with a Treyu, the trail shoe. The reason why I oh. love that shoe is it is affordable, and you can go from road to trails on it. Interesting. All right. How is the upper on the Treyu trail shoe? Because it does seem like very minimal. And obviously, when you're running trails, that can sometimes that's a good thing, especially, you know, like if it's not super tactical. But if it is tactical, that can be kind of tricky. Um, yeah. I've, I, I haven't tried that shoe, so I'm just curious. Yeah. So great lockdown. I, they fixed their heel, which is huge for me. Um, the other shoes that I've tried in the past, though, it was like paper thin. So it's nice that they have it. Great lockdown, and, and it's super breathable. You know, if I'm hitting super technical, I don't know if I'd take that one just because of the lug death. But for a road to trail where you're going to maybe go on gravel roads or somewhat buffed out trails, perfect for it. And right. I love the price. It's like $110. Oh, yeah. And, I, and I, when I can recommend a shoe with somebody and they're not going to break the bank, that makes me really happy. I hate when I have to, when someone's like, oh, should I buy the shoe? And I'm like, it's a great shoe, but it's also 200 some dollars. Like, that's not my money to spend. So, you know, spend wisely. For sure. For sure. And who knows? Maybe the Mach 5 will go on sale soon, too, because, you know, I know the Mach X is going to be coming out really soon. And the Mach 5 has been out for a while. So usually this is around the time where the sales you'd think would start to happen. Um, all right. Second question. What's your favorite race day shoe? And you can still segment it like road and trail because I know you yeah. do both. So for trails right now, I'm going to give it to the Saucony Endorphin Rift. It's not out yet. It's coming out in July. I just ran the Kyoga uh, trials in it and it was perfect. It handled the rocky steps really well, the buff, the road section really well, everything really extremely well. And I felt comfortable as that PD run foam and our power run foam. Whew, that thing is nice. If you like it, the road version, which is like the speed and those pros, you get the same sensation, but it's more stable, obviously. So for the trails, I really like that. And, and there's for, no plate in that one, right? 
it has a rock plate in the front of the foot, okay. which is fine because you need that to stabilize it. And it's actually really nice. So like when you're running, it's a little bit wider of a base. And when you're running, it is really nice. Um, and then the other for roads, it's the Rocket X too. The from Hoka. Okay. All I right. Love that too. Tell me the shoe that you really wanted to love, but unfortunately it just didn't work for you. Uh, the naked trail running shoe, TR shoe. Uh, I loved because it's like out of the box. It had no shoelaces and it looked like, uh, it was like a boot almost kind of esque. I took that out. I, I was going out for a 12 mile run. I got on the trails. I got to like mile five in it and I walked five miles back barefoot. Oh God. Oh, nice. I've, I've never had that feeling in my life. It hurt so bad. And my feet were just like dying. And I'm like, this hurts. Why am I in so much pain? Um, so yeah, so that one was, I think I, I'll, I think it was my most I put on that one was about 12 miles. And typically for- Oh, you took it out again? No, I took it on small road. I was like, well, maybe I just need to stretch it out a little bit. And I really wanted to give it because- the problem with that shoe at the time, it was like a $375 shoe. Oh my God. Well, I mean, you're going to have to go take out a loan to go buy the shoe. And my foot hurt so bad. I, my wife was like, are you okay? Like, do I need to come get you? And I'm like, no, but I'm going to go ice my feet when I get home. So that was She's the big the shoe for me. All right. Other end of the spectrum. What was your first running shoe that you just fell in love with? First running shoe I fell in love with. That's a... It was it was a uh, the wild horse Nike shoe. It was one of like the wild horse like two or three. And I got it. It was a bright orange shoe, and I loved it. Cause one other thing, when I first started running, colors were kind of bland with the shoes. I'll be honest with you, especially for trails. And I got this big bright orange shoe, and I just loved it. It wasn't a great running shoe by any means, but I loved the look of it. I thought it was super cool. And I would get on the trails, and people would always be like, "Oh, gonna get those dirty." Oh, look at those shoes, because it wasn't a common thing back in the day. And I just like, oh man, I loved it so much. Um, that definitely is one of those shoes where. I felt like a, I finally felt like a cool person out on the trails. You know what I mean? Like when I got my first trail shoe. So I like that. Look good. Feel good. Yeah. Fine. I looked good. I felt good. I did not run great. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that one was probably one of them. And then, you know, I'll also, you know, give a nod to the speed line. I thought that was pretty cool looking too. All right. Last one before we get going again, everyone check out my podcast episode with Cody. Oh, well, check out his podcast, the gear Raj over on wherever you get podcasts, right? Yeah. Um, so last one before we get going, if money was no object, what shoe would you be super excited about getting in 2023? Again, this can be a shoe that's already out or a shoe that you know is coming down the line. Yeah, so I probably, the, the one shoe I'm really intrigued, it's $250 is that Nike Ultrafly Trail. ZoomX, $250 is just a lot for a trail shoe. Um, but that one's probably up there. And then the Adidas has a secret trail shoe. Ruth Croft wore it last year. Tom Evans been wearing it a lot. You're seeing it all over the place. I want that shoe. I don't know what the cost of it is. I don't even know the name of it, but it is this black shoe that they've all been wearing for these it was, big- It was pieces. everywhere at UTMB last year. Everywhere. Dude, I'm telling you, I, that is the shoe I want. Adidas, Terex is- um, I think they're slowly morphing what their shoes are going to look like. I think they started realizing some of their newer athletes were like, we want a little bit more, more cush. We want a little bit more softness. Cause I think that's the transition. A lot of people are going, I think with trial running, it was a lot firmer, narrower rate. You know, I think now more people are coming in and be like, yeah, I don't really yeah, like the foams that. are just better. Like, yeah, they I are. agree with you. Like the, the, what Adidas and Nike were able to put out for a while was like, you guys are better than this, right? You get yeah. like these, you know, for different reasons, but like a lot of these Adidas shoes in the past were like the ones that had a lot of stack were just heavy and and like they, they weren't cushiony, right? They're just like heavy and like almost like the old Cascadias where you're like, yeah. there's not, this isn't a fun shoe to run in. No. You guys have better foams than this. What, what was the disconnect here? Um, so you get these other shoes, but like, Hey, like, again, not that you want something super minimal necessarily for some people or something that's like super aggressive. Right. So a lot of people had trouble with the sock and the edge on more technical terrain because you're like, all right, like, this feels like a super shoe, but I don't want that. I'm descending on rocks. Like I don't want to like yeah. spring forward. So it is a tough middle ground for some people, but it's nice to see that um, 
it seems like they're maybe following some of the some of the wishes that their athletes are providing. Like, hey, like, you guys can do this. We can make this happen. And I truly believe it's because there's a, such a larger influx of people coming in. And a lot of them are like, I want it what the tr- on the roads to the trails. And I think for the longest time when you would buy a trail shoe specifically, it was super aggressive trails. And honestly, I think most brands are learning. Actually, 75% of the shoes we're sending are probably rode the trail shoes were less aggressive because people want to be able to do both the rea- reality you know um you don't need that super aggressive shoe um another shoe i'll point out too and then the norda 002 super expensive it's from canada it looks fantastic norda itself that's actually what i wore my first 50k awesome shoe but super expensive you're like i said your wallet's definitely going to cry with that one Right. With those super expensive shoes, it's, it really comes down to like an ROI thing. Like h- yeah. how many miles, how much value am I going to get with yeah. this shoe? Um, again, it's kind of like, hey, what's the, what's the, not that you could ever know this unless like, you know, you're, you're buying shoes that are two years old, but what is like kind of like the dollar per mile that you're getting out of this shoe? Whereas like sometimes, sometimes some super shoes, that can be the tough part where you're like, all right, I'm like, I'm getting like less miles than dollars. Like I'm spending 250, but only getting 150. Like I need at least a one-to-one ratio here, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that's like the other thing too, is one of the reasons why I started these reviews too, is because I remember buying a shoe and being like, I did not get my money's worth. Like this really, you know what I mean? Like what was going on? And, you know, and, and I'm very blessed and I'm very fortunate. People are sending me these shoes and I'm not paying for them. So I understand my situation is like rare you know what i mean i'm in a i mean it's a really nice spot to be but i do remember that when i got into the running scene like buying a 140 dollars shoe is, is is expensive you know and that's really my number one goal is to make sure people are getting the shoes that are going to fit for them and not just you know although that's cool looking you know because honestly i've said negative things about running companies and they weren't super happy about that but it's the business where I'm like, I don't want somebody to go buy a shoe and then resent me because they bought a shoe that was a dud. Um, you know, sometimes I hate a shoe. Sometimes another company loves a shoe. Sometimes they hate a shoe and sometimes I love it. I always tell people, find the, the shoe reviewer that works for your foot and you typically will get it on a good path. Right, which is why you see a lot of shoe reviewers don't do negative reviews. They'll just opt to not review a shoe. Yeah. Right, for that same reason. Like, yeah. hey, like... You know, like we, I work with these brands. I don't, you know, I'm not going to lie about a shoe. Yep. So like, if I don't like your shoe, you're just not going to see it on my page. Right. Yeah. And I'd be like, Hey, how come that person never reviewed that? Never wore that shoe. It's like, Oh, they wore it. <laughs> they just didn't put out a review on it because yeah. you know, they, they didn't want to like say bad things about the shoe, but they also weren't going to lie about liking the shoe. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way, but yeah. occasionally you'll see someone like, Hey, I know this person had that shoe. How come I never saw a review? It's like, that's why. Because yeah. they didn't want to go on the record and be like, this shoe is, is awful. Well, that was like the Tracksmith shoe for me. I didn't really love that shoe. It was a lot. It was a really expensive shoe. And I I, I was like, it's not worth the money. Um, and a lot of other, you know, stayed quiet about it. But I will say, because of my honesty, it built a great relationship with Tracksmith. They were like, we're glad you said that. I did it and you did it in a professional manner. You weren't mean to it. You know what I mean? Like, that's my yeah. biggest thing. I'm never going to be like, I'm never going to dog a shoe. I'm just like, it didn't work for me. You know what I mean? And I found that really cool. They were like, we really appreciated your honesty about that shoe. I was like, oh, thanks. They're like, what can we do to be better next time? And I was like, oh. So now like I met with the designer and I gave him some input, you know, and by no means am I a shoe designer, but I was like, I just want a little softer. You made it a little bit softer, get better shoelaces. You might be winning there. So yeah, they have like the old, like I'm six years old with cleats thickness shoelaces they were like or like i know you know what they were they were more like the run dmc adidas yeah. shoelace like the 80s like the super thick anyway cody thank you so much for coming on the show this was an absolute blast absolutely i really appreciate you doing this